Big V, Vivek, Quarantine V, uh, how are you doing? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm good, man. Uh, it was a good weekend. Celebrated my dad's 67th birthday. Uh, so that was nice. And besides that, you know, I haven't seen you at the Rabba for a minute. <laughs> yeah, we have to talk about our chance encounter at Rabba, <laughs> first of all. Um, I know you've always been, you know, in great shape. Um, for some reason, we've talked a lot about uh, your thighs and playing soccer. I don't know why this always comes up whenever we have office <laughs> chats. But um, you, uh, you, un- you're undergoing a Marcus Soul level glow up from what I saw of you. Wow. Um, I saw you and started reevaluating my own life. Um, <laughs> like as, you, you, as, you're, as you're you looking stood, good, bro. As you stood there with the 24 pack of Coke. <laughs> okay, we don't need to reveal what i was purchasing you know i was hoping to keep some of those parts private um but you are undergoing the quarantine glow up and i'm really happy for you well i think the the one big thing that's changed is probably my diet like i'm eating out a lot less and just been cooking way more and so i think that naturally has impacted me and then besides that um i need to play sports so not being able to play soccer anymore uh, my friend, he has a tennis court available, and so that's a socially distant sport that you can play. So uh, we've been doing that a lot. I've been playing a lot of tennis, so I guess that's helped. But besides that, I think I'm mostly the same. But I appreciate, I appreciate the compliments. Yeah, I think it's probably just because I haven't seen you. Um, yeah, for a while, so I forgot what the big V energy was like. Oh, by the way, we're recording on Monday right now. Um, this is the one-year anniversary of Kawhi signing with the Clippers. Uh, any uh, memories? Uh, I was on a flight to the UK, and I land. So this is, I think, so I think it happened July fifth, but it was already July sixth over there in the AM. And my cousin picks me up, and. He's he's just got into the NBA and everything. I hadn't checked my phone, and he tells me right off the bat as soon as I get in the car. Uh, so Kawhi's gone to the Clippers. Uh, big news, and I was like, "What?" And then he's like, "Paul George is joining him too," and that just blew my mind. Um, and then a few hours later, uh, I put out the FMK tweet. <laughs> was the fmk your trip to the uk and this was when you went to wimbledon and bought me the second best hat in the store right yeah um Uh, that trip was legendary because i believe you also lost your keys uh at at the end of the trip and you tweeted about it um the the overseas v was a vibe yeah that that was that was straight panic mode because i had a flight at 4 a.m. I think and so I decided to like at the hostel they had like this pub crawl sign up thing so I joined that for the final night I figured why not and I'll just <laughs> go out all night and then I'll go straight to the airport um, so I was out had a few drinks wasn't all there got back to the room and then that was like oh guess what? I don't have my keys. And then it was a question of, do I take my stuff? Um, or, you know, do I miss the flight? And then, yeah, thankfully everything got sorted and I found everything I needed. Yeah. That was reckless V 
Um, the the fuck Mary kill was legendary though. Um, <laughs> that tweet I believe was passed around, um, you know, thousands of times. Uh, when you sent that out, it was just a different vibe. Once you went overseas, bro, you you turned into reckless V. Yeah, it was one of those things where I felt like once I was across the border, I couldn't like be punished by my, <laughs> my then my then employer. <laughs> You were just flying real close to the sun, man. With the Kawhi, with the Kawhi stuff, the in the few days before, because I'm sure you remember, you remember like Chris Carter said yeah. that he had like breaking news, and like Jalen Rose, I believe at one point said that it was a done deal. Um, let's Shannon say like Sharp the night, his takes. yeah, the yep, Shannon Sharp. The night before, the day before Kawhi actually signs with the Clippers, and it, uh, you know, people forget. The news was actually broken by Jeremy Castleberry on his Instagram. Uh, how confident were you about Kawhi coming back at that point? Um, I was feeling good because, again, they won the title. I thought that was the best thing they could do. And then he really seemed to like Toronto. And then we were all hyping up all the other random stuff that was happening, him at the Blue Jays game. Um, him with the shopper's drug mark bag on vacation. Uh, I think it was in Jamaica. I can't remember. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I thought ha- having had the meeting with the Clippers, uh, then coming back uh, on the chopper, having the meeting in Toronto, I've, I was feeling pretty good. I wasn't at, you know, 99.8, but... <laughs> Y'all never live that down. I've honestly spent the next 12 months uh, pivoting towards Matt Thomas. Uh, just to make people forget about that. Um, I know you're, you've are you been on these Raptors media calls. Um, Matt Thomas spoke today. So this man didn't touch a basketball for two months. And yeah, so as you said, he hasn't missed a shot for two months. Yeah, it's nice to see the propaganda back on the timeline. That's how you know nature is healing um so we're doing nba predictions today but before we get into that i as a lifelong liverpool fan um would like to uh, officially apply for a transfer to manchester united next season and v i know you're a huge man U fan and i know uh will lou is punching air right now as he hears this um what is your pitch for me to join uh, Man U and root for the Red Devils. Well, first off, I think you know hopping on the Liverpool bandwagon right now isn't the best look. I think it's easy to get on that wagon right now, but United they've been struggling for what seems like close to a decade now, ever since Sir Alex Ferguson left, and so you're getting a team that's super young that still hasn't really reached its p- potential. Uh, you think about all the years we've felt let down by the Raptors' Bruno. Now you've got a chance with the United Bruno, who's just next level. Um, you know, the best Portuguese player currently. Don't at me. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's the perfect time to step on, you know, before all the glory comes back. And, yeah. All right, I am officially transferring. I just want to give a quick shout out to Wayne Rooney, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, George Bess, Park G Sung, and Carlos Tevez. Uh, am I in? Is that good enough? Yeah, one hundred percent. You're in. You're making the Michael Owen transfer. You see, he played for Liverpool forever, and then 
came over to United so he could win the Premier League. All right, I am the Michael Owen of Manchester United fandom. Shout outs to Old Trafford, aka the world's most famous soccer pitch. Um, and what's a what's a good Man U slogan? Because um, you know how Liverpool has, you'll never uh, walk alone. Um, I mean, glory, glory, Man United is the main theme, but like at Old Trafford, it's called the Theater of Dreams. Uh, oh, so. that is so fire! I'm in. Um, yeah. All right, I'm I'm officially in. So it's me, you, and Faisal against the world, right? Basically, let's go, Bollywood crew. All right, so <laughs> the NBA is returning in, I believe, about three weeks. Um, first of all, I still am kind of of the mind that I'll believe it when it happens. Um, where are right. you on that? So I am actually at the point now where I am rooting for everything to go well because 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 of the way the positive cases have panned out, it's become clear that the only thing that's going to stop this now is uh, hospitalization for a player or coach or you know something worse. And so obviously none of us wants to see that happen. So at this point, if that's the only thing that's going to stop it, I am by all means saying, hey, let everything go as smoothly as possible and let everything happen um, because no one wants to see anyone really uh, you know, suffer the way the coronavirus has hurt so many other people. Yeah, so you're basically saying that, you know, it, because it doesn't seem like the league, you know, is drawing any line in the sand of if it gets to this point, we're going to stop it. Uh, you right. just want the teams to get into the bubble and you hope that this goes off. Obviously not, not you know, without a hitch. Uh, you know, I'm sure we've already seen practice facilities shut down and things like that. And I think we're going to get more of that and mm-hmm. positive tests once they get to the bubble. But you're hoping that they can just now get to the bubble and this thing can go off uh, with only like minor hiccups. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, we've seen the only way this is going to get shut down. I mean, you think about the irony, right? Like the league shut down over one positive test. Uh, and now it's like you're getting all these positive cases, uh, at least 25 from what we've seen, uh, probably more now in the last few days uh, with the other facilities shutting down. But uh, I think, yeah, it's going to take something major now. Like Brian Windhorst keeps saying that this is too too big to fail, too big to fail. It, it, it can very much absolutely fail. It is just too big to stop right now. That's the only thing. Uh, and so hopefully uh, the players, the coaches, everyone involved can get through this as safely as possible. Yeah, one of the things that I think has been troubling over the past couple weeks is basically the league has normalized um, the way we think about positive tests. Because like you mentioned with Gobert, and obviously that was a different time because that was the quote-unquote kind of start of the pandemic in in North America. But at the time, it was one test. One positive test was going to shut down the entire league. And and obviously the logistics are different now because they're not playing in 30 different cities and, and they're congregating at one place. But it does bother me a little bit that, you know, now the league is just asking people to just accept that positive tests are going to be part of this. Uh, without us obviously knowing the long-term impact of it. And that's why I think like a case like Spencer Dinwiddie, obviously I don't want him to be going through what he's going through, but he is not asymptomatic. And to hear him kind of talk about the the symptoms that he's dealing with and knowing that we still don't know what the long, long-term impacts are, 
it is kind of disturbing that like we've just come to accept now, like kind of what Adam Silver said, and you know, um, kind of similar messaging as the White House that we just have to live with the virus. Yeah, I, and the other thing too, when you go back to what Adam Silver said, like he he made it clear or seemed to that the data was going to dictate when the league returned, not the date, but it's become very obvious that that was not the case unless the data he was talking about was financial data. And so uh, I think we're in a position now where everyone's been left with no choice, right? You think about even when the, uh, the NBA PA gave approval for the format, they hadn't necessarily approved the return of the league. All they said was, okay, we accept that, you know, if there is a return to play, that these will be the conditions. It'll be 22 teams. We'll play these seeding games, and then we'll go into the playoffs. That's all they approved. Uh, but, the, but the NBA just went ahead and announced that they're returning, right? So for the players from that point on to sort of go back on it was going to be very difficult. And so I think the league has sort of manipulated this situation to their best interests, uh, the Board of Governors' best interests, and... Yeah, the players are dealing with it as best they can. I mean, of course, for the players, there's over a billion dollars at stake. That's money that can be used uh, to a host of positive causes uh, and to help, you know, the protests, everything that's going on with the Black Lives Matter campaign. But I still think, you know, I don't, I don't think they've been given a clear cut. Hey, we we support you if you choose not to do this. It's been very much if you if you go away, we will absolutely rip up the CBA. Yeah, you know, I think, and it was very telling too, that the NBA announced that return, and you know, we were led to believe that obviously they had communications with the Players Association, and then you hear the week after that Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard organized a call with like a hundred plus players, um, mm-hmm. and I think that just goes to show too that you know, I think we both agree that twenty-two teams, to be honest, is uh, way too much for you know what the purpose of this is. I mean, setting right. aside the fact that obviously they want the revenues and, you know, to honor the TV deal and, and like you mentioned, the financial aspect of it. But if you're really just playing for a championship, you could argue you just send like eight teams and you could do this in like three weeks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when's the last time we saw an eight seed really do something or a seven seed? Uh, it hasn't happened since pretty much that 99 lockout season, right? So, uh, yeah, fi- the financial reasons are at the top of this and you know I, I think we have to be clear in stating that there are financial reasons for the players too but i do think it would have been interesting to see uh if the if, if the league sort of went to the players and said hey we're not going to hold the 2020 21 season against you you know that uh you are free to say no to this season and you know we won't just rip up the cba i think the pressure of an uncertain future beyond this season, I think has also shaped how we've seen some of the responses. Yeah. And it's funny to me, like obviously baseball is trying to return soon. And I guess the NFL has always just, you know, assumed that they were coming back on the same timeline, like in September. And obviously we've heard about the NBA wanting to start next season in December. Like, man, you look at everything that's happening in the U S right now, including the fact that there's just no plans um, from a public health perspective in place to curb 
uh, you know, this outbreak, this pandemic, like the next season is not starting in December unless you're <laughs> playing in a bubble again. Like you're not, there's no way they're playing in 30 cities by December. There's just no way. Right. Yeah. 100%. And then the other thing too is when you look at the financial reasons they're doing this, like Orlando as a location, like the fact that they can send, you know, what is it, eight, uh, the eight other teams to a different location in Chicago where the virus is way more under control. That shows that if they really wanted to go to a different location, they could have. They could have picked a place that was, that was far more under control, that is managing the situation far better. Uh, and the optics, I think, would be pretty different. But, um, yeah, I think the complete disregard they're showing uh, – for fans in terms of just be honest about it, right? Like even when Adam Silver saying stuff that, oh, we have a message to send in terms of uh, the league coming back and it's, it's not financial. Like, come on, man. Who are you trying to fool? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, Adam Silver's Q rating has taken a bit of a hit. And I feel like the NBA has always stood above the other leagues just in terms of, you know, their awareness and, and the way they work with their players. And this you know, this whole setup and the way they've negotiated this and depending on how it goes, um, I think it's a huge step back for the league. But anyways, on to basketball. So uh, <laughs> the NBA season will be back um, in three weeks, in about three weeks. And, you know, Vivek, I thought we could go through and based on the 22 teams that are going to be there, uh, make some predictions about what's going to happen at Disney World. Um, I guess, uh, you know, aside from the fact that the overall prediction is it's still possible that this thing, I think for sure, uh, this thing will start. I'm not sure if this thing will finish. Um, mm-hmm. So, Vivek, let me hear. Um, I know you prepare five predictions, uh, as, as did I. So let me hear your first prediction. Yeah. So, again, everything is assuming that everything goes well down the line because, let's face it, no one wants that dire situation where the nba is literally forced to shut it down so my predictions are based on that number one uh donovan mitchell snitches on rudy gobert uh, <laughs> see here so we didn't share our predictions beforehand and i know you were messing around with some disney world mascot predictions with me on our chat last <laughs> week so i had no idea if you were gonna come hit me with like some serious like strength of schedule stats um you know um so all right off we go so donovan mitchell is snitching on rudy gobert that is your prediction yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's face it. When the reports came out that there would be an anonymous line that players could call into, he was the first one uh, to quote tweet it and say, oh, they snitching, snitching. Uh, we know the backstory, you know, with Gobert, like not taking the virus seriously. And then Mitchell testing positive. They don't talk to each other for a month. Um, and I know they've said that things are starting to get better now. But I think, I think Mitchell is just, you know, waiting for that opportunity. And I think that first deck of cards that Gobert tries to take home with him, Mitchell's going to be all over it. You know, it's hilarious because there's been so much talk about this relationship and obviously how it's been fractured because what went down with uh, Rudy Gobert's positive test and how careless he was around his teammates. I just want this storyline to be over because, you know, to be honest, like shout-outs to Donovan Mitchell, obviously a really talented player, and, and Rudy Gobert's resume speaks for itself, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, defensive player of the year, and he's a contender for that award every year. But 
to me, they just don't feel like uh, a good enough tandem to uh, deserve this much attention. Is all I'm saying. Like, there's there's no need to report this like it's a Shaq and Kobe situation. Um, if they split up, um, you know, if there's a trade that happens in the off season or whatever, you know, I feel like the Jazz will be able to move on. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, that's part of why Mitchell may do it too. Is like I think he knows <laughs> there's a ceiling to this team, and realistically, is and now with Bogdanovich out too, they're going to be hurt by that. He's been big for them. So I think, you know, first chance Mitchell gets, he's snitching. Gobert's out. Uh, and it'll be Ed Davis's time to shine at center. <laughs> wow, I love how you have this all laid out um, <laughs> as a as a master plan of Ed Davis. Um, I feel like you might need to change your prediction to Ed Davis is the one who snitches on both of them. Um, <laughs> Ed Davis and Jordan Clarkson snitches on both of them for playing time. Um, I think one of my, one of the, my favorite things happening right now too is, and I've seen Donovan Mitchell do this is players clapping back at their own fan base online. Right. I'm sure you've seen this, right? Like, cause obviously we know about the demographic of Utah and, you know, with the black lives matter movement that is happening. Uh, there's been a lot of people, you know, fans obviously getting into the mentions of these players and Donovan Mitchell the other day was just like, you know, if you don't root for us, if you don't care about us, like don't root for us. Um, yeah. I- I'm loving this like battle. Uh, between um, the players and the fans because I mean Utah is a great example too like we've seen so many incidents with players in Utah right like Russell Westbrook uh, is the one that comes to mind and I know there's several others so I don't know this this has all been really interesting to me I know this is a bigger picture and this goes beyond just basketball like even NASCAR I think is a great example of you know fans have always consumed like these sports and followed these athletes as entertainment and now it can't just be that you know yeah we've finally had the full intersection of sports and human rights and politics because over the last few years it's it's become inescapable right and i think uh players are going to use their platforms to speak on how they feel and more power to them and i think you're at the point now where if you do identify with a player, identify with the team, you're kind of standing for all that they represent. And so, again, to Mitchell's point, if you can't get behind uh, something that's absolutely not political in any way, it's literally just saying <laughs> that black lives should matter. Uh, and, yeah, if fans can't get behind that, they can take a hike. Yeah, and a convenient way for Mitchell to request to play for another team. <laughs> yeah. that's all i'm saying um so uh let me throw you my first prediction um you know it's not as uh shocking as yours so i think my prediction is that half of these regular season games will be meaningless and unwatchable mm-hmm. um you know just looking at the schedule and the standings and we can go through some of these teams you know i don't know if you agree with me but there's a lot of teams at the top that don't have a lot to play for um, you know, a, a team like Milwaukee is six and a half games up on the Raptors um, and basically have clinched uh, the number one seed. Um, and they're four up. Um, well, they're two up in the loss column on, on the Lakers. And it doesn't matter because um, there's no home court in the finals. Yep. So yeah. they have nothing to play for. The Lakers technically don't have a lot to play for. They're five and a half games up on the Clippers. And while I think I'm sure they would want to play the eighth seed, I'm not sure even if they somehow drop to second, they would really care 
um, about a 2-7 matchup. And then I'm also thinking about there's all these teams bunched up, obviously, in the Western Conference for the number eight spot. A few of them are inevitably going to be out of it, I think, after the first three or four games. So their games will become meaningless. Um, and then you look at teams like the Raptors and the Celtics. Um, I think their seedings are going to be locked in at some point, too, um, you know, barring any drama that, that comes up. And I don't know. I just feel like there's going to be some meaningful games, obviously, but there's also going to be a lot of games on that schedule that just don't matter. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, what we're going to see over those eight games for the most part, I think, is just a glorified preseason. And I just mean glorified in the sense that now, as opposed to a preseason where you're getting ready for the regular season, now you're trying to get ready for the playoffs. So I wouldn't be surprised if you saw most of the teams just finish somewhere between five and three and three and five. And everyone's just more concerned about uh, getting through the games, being healthy for the playoffs uh, and, you know, just getting their conditioning back up. And even Nick Nurse has said that he's going to, you know, give guys down the roster more of an opportunity just in case he needs to use them in a playoff setting because, you know, you might have a case where someone has to quarantine uh, and won't be able to play and whatnot. And so I think all these factors that didn't have to come into play before uh, in, you know, a regular setting and now play in. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think the intensity is really going to be there until the playoffs. And even then, you know, I don't, I don't know if uh, we'll, we'll see the same level of intensity that you can get when you've got, you know, 20,000 fans giving you that adrenaline. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, I think that the Western Conference, the first round matchups, there will be some interesting matchups. But again, it's not really going to get that interesting overall until the second round, which goes back to my point of they should have just sent eight teams there. Um, mm. But instead, like Phoenix is going, um, and you know <laughs> Brooklyn is sending like half their team. Um, if you were in the West, because you know three through six, um, Denver, Utah, OKC, and Houston, they're separated by like two, two and a half games. If you were one of those teams, would you want to be in the Lakers or the Clippers side of the bracket? Uh, that's an interesting question because of who the Lakers like Dwight Howard hasn't confirmed yet right whether he's gonna be there or not right he hasn't joined the team and I think they're just holding out hope that he'll travel to Orlando with them yeah so I feel like with the Lakers if they're missing both Dwight and Avery Bradley like their rotation's not that great and so I think if those two guys are missing I'll take my chances going up against the Lakers uh the Clippers from what I've seen aren't really missing any, anyone. I know they had, had, they've had some positive tests, but none of those guys have, uh, you know, sort of taken that as a warning sign and opted out. So if, if those two, Bradley and Howard, and potentially anyone else uh, opts out, I'd, I'd, I think I'd rather be on the Lakers side of the bracket. Yeah, the Clippers, the only guy they're missing, I think, is Landry Shamit because mm. he tested positive. But I think based on the wording, he's just not going to travel with them initially. Right. And hopefully he, after he the quarantine, he'll be there. Later. Right. And to be honest, like the playoffs don't start until like August 15th. So right. uh, a lot of these players, and again, this feels so wrong, like talking about it because like, you know, testing positive isn't like a sprained ankle. But nope. um, 
anybody who tests positive, you know, for playoff purposes, um, you don't really, you know, they won't be needed until August. So there's yeah. time for them to recover and, and get in shape. Yeah, I think that'll be interesting because I, I asked that uh, about the seeding and which bracket because I feel like there will be a lot of jostling going on between those mm-hmm. teams. Like assuming they don't fall in the standings. Um, I mean, you could see teams kind of tank to maybe get a favorable first round matchup. Like, I don't know if I'm Houston, maybe I prefer to play Utah or maybe I don't care. Like maybe whether it's Utah or Denver, I feel pretty good. Because um, I feel like Denver and Utah are two teams that I don't think anyone would be surprised if they lost in the first round. No, no. And we, we got to see what skinny Jokic is like. You know, does, does it hurt him having lost uh, all the weight? Or, you know, is he actually more athletic and can do more things now? I think that's going to be interesting to see. I think, uh, it's, honestly, though, I, I do think there's a lot in play. Like, with the Jazz, I think the Bogdanovich... Uh, loss hurts i think with the nuggets though i think it could be interesting just because i think their depth at the wings especially you know now i think there's teams that if they go more up and down they'll be benefited if they're able to do it successfully uh but yeah with the nuggets i think it could go either way right like even you know home court plays such a big part in their success uh that uh without that high altitude maybe they're just you know they're more reflective uh, of what they are on the road, which at 18 and 14 is not, you know, amazing. Yeah, I think Denver, Utah, um, Philadelphia, who's part of one of my predictions, because they were 29 and 2 at home right. and 10 and 24 on the road. I think those three teams lose the most in the playoffs in terms yeah. of having that home court advantage. And I would throw the Lakers and the Bucks in there too, but more for the later rounds. Um, I think Milwaukee, obviously not having that game seven if they need um, in Milwaukee for uh, a potential Eastern Conference Finals matchup against the Raptors or the Celtics or even the Sixers is uh, going to be a significant disadvantage. And I mean, we all know like Lakers Clippers would have been seven home games for the Lakers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. And the thing the thing that I'm interested to see with Philly is do they you know, are they disadvantaged more because they won't have the home games where they were 29 and two or they, or do they benefit from the fact that they won't have any road games where there were 10 and 24? And yeah, you know, I, I I'm with you. I think you can kind of split that both ways. Right. So let's, let's use that to jump into my second prediction. My second prediction yeah. is the Philadelphia 76ers will still be a disappointment in the bubble. You know, I feel like there's been a lot of hype. Um, you know, the Ben Simmons, workout videos and the fact that he is healthy again and you know people are looking at this as a kind of a fresh start for the Sixers who even though they were 39 and 26 and they're tied for fifth right now with the Pacers who are going to be without Victor Oladipo so I'm just going to assume the Sixers will jump to at least the fifth seed here Um, you know I just don't feel like you know all the issues that they had um, you know in terms of the chemistry and you know you talk about the things that Ben Simmons can't do in the playoffs and, you know, integrating Al Horford and, you know, the team losing um, a shooter like JJ Redick and obviously the loss of Jimmy Butler. I just don't see um, any reason why the Sixers are suddenly going to become the contender that people thought they were going to be at the start of the season. I don't know what you think. Yeah, no, I'm with you because I think when you look at the last few years, we've always given teams that we 
sort of project to be great at the beginning of the regular season, the benefit of the doubt. I think last year the Celtics were a perfect example where we kept saying, oh, they'll figure it out, they'll figure it out, they'll figure it out. And then they won that game one against the Bucs and everyone was like, oh, look, they're here. And then they just got destroyed the rest of the way. Uh, so I think if you don't figure it out over the regular season at some point, you're probably not going to figure it out in the postseason. And I think my, my personal feel is that playing in front of no fans is going to be more reflective of how teams play on the road than it is at home. I think in terms of the mental focus, I think that's just my personal feel. Um, but in terms of my second uh, prediction, I think it ties in perfectly with this because I have uh, Jimmy Butler knocking out the Sixers in the first round. So, yeah, you know, looking at the standings, um, you know, Miami right now looks like they'll be locked into the number four spot. Yeah. Um, they're three games back in the lost column to catch Boston. And they're two games uh, up in the lost column to Indiana and Philadelphia. And apologies to Joe Wolfon, but I'm just going to, uh, you know, eliminate the Pacers here um, because yep. they're not, um, you know, they don't have Victor Oladipo with them. Um, they could very much still hang on to the fifth seed. But for our purposes, let's say Philly does get to the fifth seed. I think that 4-5 matchup is going to be uh, a must-watch in the first round. And you have the Miami Heat winning. Yeah, I have the Miami Heat winning. Unfortunately, you know, this means we're not going to get, you know, whatever, five, six, seven games of Jimmy Butler uh, destroying TJ Warren. But <laughs> did you see their practice courts are next to each other, I think? Oh, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, so I don't know how the layout is, but the NBA tweeted a photo last week of them starting to bring in like the actual hardwood floors. Yeah, And I think few people pointed out the way they were laying it down, the Pacers and the Heat courts are right next to each other. So it seems <laughs> like when they practice and when they scrimmage, they're going to be right there. Wow. But yeah, I, I think they have the one seeding game against each other. So I think that'll be enough Heat-Pacers action. And then, yeah, with Philly, I think that's, that's going to be a lot of fun for everyone to watch. Um, and... You know, Philly has more talent, that's for sure. But I think Butler is going to be super motivated going up against the Sixers, especially with the way things went down uh, in terms of, you know, I think he very much would have liked to stay there and play with Embiid, but they obviously didn't want to give him the money. And then I look at the coaching matchup. That's one thing I always look at in any playoff series. And Spolstra versus Brett Brown, I'm, I'm taking Spolstra every day of the week. So, uh I think they'll figure out what they need to do to get past Philly. And yeah, their season will end the way it should. Yeah, you know, personally, I mean, I think Raptors-Celtics is a series that I really want to see from a Raptors standpoint. But mm -hmm. it would have been fun, too, to see the Raptors knock out the Sixers again. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I think Miami-Philadelphia will be really interesting and yeah i'm with you i'm not surprised i would not be surprised if miami won that series and shout outs to jimmy butler for just making um going to the gym at 3 a.m his whole brand um yeah. I, res I respect that so much um like i think someone said on twitter nobody uh tries as hard to let you know that he's trying hard as jimmy butler which is perfect <laughs> <laughs> like he is the ultimate tryhard he, he is the ultimate tryhard and speaking of miami you know, this is the nightmare Raptors scenario. Um, 
you know, we talk so much about the Raptors having a chance to sign Giannis um, mm-hmm. in 2020. What would it be? 2021? 2021. 2022? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I can't. I don't, I don't know when now. the seasons end anymore. So that's, that's, the, that's the thing. Like our NBA, like quote unquote basketball calendar has been completely thrown off. But imagine, like, I don't think it's far fetched that Giannis and Kyle end up in Miami with Jimmy Butler. Man. <laughs> you know you know that's not unrealistic because you know no, Kyle and Jimmy Butler obviously have uh, a friendship off yeah. the court and if Kyle is looking uh you know to extend not that the Raptors won't be contending but I mean if he has a chance to you know play out the last years of his career with Giannis and Jimmy Butler in Miami like I can easily see Pat Riley swinging that oh yeah Pat Riley can get that done no doubt um but I think Masai's appeal to Giannis, I genuinely think that, you know, Giannis's number one option is Toronto. That the chance to play with Pascal, with Fred, uh, with guys that really just fit alongside him, uh, I think he would really enjoy that. Like, Giannis and a bunch of non-shooters is not going to be great. I mean, Tyler Harrow's going to get it done for sure, but... I think in terms of the fit, I think the Raptors are better, uh, not just, you know, on the court, but the, you know, the collaboration with Masai, uh, you know, maybe getting things set up with Pascal. I, I, I think those things line up better. And I think Lowry, at this point in his career, I know there were, there were times where, you know, he was open. It, it, he, he wanted to go to San Antonio um, and Masai brought San Antonio to him. But I think, uh, at this point in his career, I think Kyle's preference, if if Toronto is still contending, uh, would be to stay in Toronto and finish his career. I think Kyle should have held out of joining this bubble and asked for another one year, thirty million extension. Um, <laughs> that 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 would have been the most boss move. This guy holds out twice in one season and gets sixty million out of it. I'm with you though with the Giannis Toronto fit. It almost seems kind of too good to be true you know what i mean because like it's it is a perfect fit and first of all you saying that the heat don't have a lot of shooters that is duncan robinson erasure all right so i'm gonna need you (laughs) to apologize um no but i mean Giannis here um and and then you shift pascal kind of back into that number two role that he was playing alongside Kawhi, and just think about Giannis and pascal together like on both ends of the floor and you're right you know you and you're throwing in guys like fred like og uh, Terrence Davis, like there's already such a young core here, and mm-hmm. that young core is already better than what, whatever Milwaukee has, you know. Yeah, and I think again, just the fit. I think he'd be more comfortable in Toronto. Uh, the lifestyle here, uh, Miami is great. Obviously, <laughs> that doesn't need to be said. But I think again, in terms of the type of person he is, I think he'd enjoy Toronto better. And yeah, can't wait, man. Twenty twenty one is gonna be. <laughs> Yo, watch the salary cap be like twenty million, and he can't even come here. Um, so that's that's the biggest thing, right? Like, I don't think there's any way Giannis signs the supermax now. I th- I thought that was the biggest threat to the Raptors, the fact that Milwaukee could offer a supermax. But now, with, with what the cap projection is gonna look like, uh. You know, that Supermax is just going to look like a regular Max contract. So why sign it? 
Yeah, that's interesting. You don't think? I mean, obviously, yes, the the money is a factor. You don't think if say they win the championship here at Disney World, that he'll be like, all right, I don't want to deal with the distraction next year. I'm just gonna sign long term. No, I think I think it can go both ways. Like I, I definitely see that it can go that way, but I also think it's entirely possible that uh, he would look at winning a title in Milwaukee as sort of okay. I I've done what I wanted to do here. I can leave on a positive note. And again, you look at superstars leaving teams uh, after winning a title. Now it's not necessarily Im- immediately after winning a title, but. LeBron won in Miami, left. LeBron won in Cleveland, left. KD won in Golden State, left. Uh, Kawhi won in Toronto, left. So I don't know that... I, I think the big shift that's happened is I don't think players associate their legacy with a team anymore and it, because the rings conversation has all been about the individual, right? How many rings do you have? Not what was your legacy so much with a particular team. And so... I think as long as Toronto can present the best case for contending, because at that point, Milwaukee, like you look at the ages uh, on that roster, Toronto should be much better lined up to contend in the long term than Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, unless, you know, I think everybody has their opinions on Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton. Um, But, you know, there's definitely one side of the argument is, you know, the way the Bucks have built their team does remind me a little bit of LeBron's first run in Cleveland, um, you know, where they signed a, a bunch of different guys and, you know, they traded guys around and Shaq was there for a little bit, Ben mm-hmm. Wallace, Anton Jameson. I don't think it's as dire as that. You know, obviously Chris Middleton is an all-star and Eric Bledsoe, you know, is a really good regular season player. I guess we can put it that way for now. Um, but it does feel like if they don't win this season and however next season plays out, if they don't win next season, um, you know, Giannis is going to go out there and not just Toronto. Like you look at Miami, you look at even say Golden State or whichever other teams want, want to step in. There's just going to be a lot better long-term situations for him than Milwaukee. Yep. I 100% behind you. Yeah. So, you know, I love, yeah, I love how somehow we ended up talking about five minutes of Giannis to Toronto. This is uh, <laughs> just obligatory. Uh, and I'm, uh, yeah, and we're not done because, you know, the thing for me too, is obviously Masai has accomplished so much with the Raptors. Like we don't need to go through the resume, you know, championship aside and everything else that he's done with Giants of Africa and really just like, you know, changing the entire image of a basketball franchise, right? Um, Here in the city of Toronto. But I feel like if he gets Giannis, that will be just the culmination of like everything that he's put in place for all these years. That he's put together such a foundation that he's able to convince the you know quote unquote best player in the game to come to Toronto. I feel like that would be his his like biggest accomplishment, and then he can go to the Knicks. Yeah, no question, right? Like you think about the statement that says sends. I mean, an MVP, arguably a two time MVP. I mean, he might be a three time MVP by the time free agency comes up in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two, whenever that free agency is. Uh, for a two-time or three-time MVP to say, yeah, uh, Toronto is my number one destination or, yeah, I'm going to choose Toronto over all the other options that might be out there. Like you said, a Miami, a Golden State, uh, re-signing with the, the team you've been with since you were drafted. Like, I think 
that will be the biggest statement that Masai could have ever sent. And, you know, he'll validate. I mean, he's already validated in so many ways, but uh, I think that would be the perfect icing on the cake. Yeah. And I obviously I can't get into, you know, Masai's head and what he's thinking, but I feel like he is so deeply motivated by Kawhi leaving. Like mm. he is so motivated by wanting to not just land Giannis, you know, I think, you know, obviously we acknowledge, you know, that might be whatever, a 50-50 proposition, a 30% chance, whatever it might be. But I feel like he is so motivated to rebuild this team and, and you know, retool this team to get them back to winning a championship. And honestly, I mean, I know I'm getting really uh, ahead of myself because, you know, it's there's a chance the Raptors repeat as champions is all I'm saying. Oh, I think I think the Raptors' chances now are better than they were before uh, the shutdown. I just you know those things about where you take away the home court uh, from Milwaukee, from Miami, from Philly. I think that does open things up for Toronto a little bit, and I think especially you know I I, I think Norman Powell is a huge X factor uh, because of the way his scoring has come on. But this break for Marcus All. Uh, I think is going to be incredible. I think to get the time off that he never would have got, I mean, let's face it, he went from dealing with, you know, being traded. He was attached to Memphis for such a long time then to deal with the trade and bring his family over to Toronto, then to go on the championship run and literally right after the parade, go to training camp with Spain, win the FIBA world cup uh, and get no break, deal with the injuries. Now, Looking like Papi Gasol, uh, I'm going to say uh, this leads me into my third prediction, which is Marc Gasol will have one 30-point game in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, you know, this is a wild prediction. Not that I disagree with you, because three months ago, you could have said Marc Gasol will have a 30-point series, and <laughs> I might have taken the under. <laughs> Listen, I know, I know Mark had a zero-point game this season. I know he's not a scorer for this team. Uh, and that's not his role. But I think he's going to have one game, one game where he goes off. Okay, I was I was checking his playoff history. Uh, he's had one 30-point game through 87 games, through 87 playoff games. That was in game one of the first round against the Spurs in 2017. So it wasn't that long ago, okay? Uh, I think he's gonna. it's going to be like an eight three-pointer, uh, a couple of mid-rangers, one skyhook, uh, and that'll pretty much be it. Uh, and it'll probably come in the first round. And yeah, one 30-point game, man, I'm feeling it. When Spain won the FIBA World Cup, uh, in the semis against Australia, he had 33. And I think that may have pretty much just, you know, thrown him at the brick wall. And he was just never the same after that. But I think this rest now, he will have one 30-point game is my is my hot prediction. No, I like it. And this is a this is a pretty bold prediction considering the fact that you just told me he's done this once in yeah. his playoff career. Uh, this yeah. is an uncut uncut gems level bet that you're making <laughs> and I respect that. And yeah, I'm with you. You know, for me, um, I think just seeing Mark in this shape and you know knowing what he could already do on the defensive end um, yeah. even when he was say quote unquote out of shape um, you know, anything additional that he brings, uh, you know, on that end of the floor and on offense is just going to push the Raptors to another level. Um, do you agree with me that they're just going to slide Mark uh, right back into the starting lineup? Because, you know, I know it's been a while, but 
Serge was the starting center for a very long time this season. Yeah, no, I think I think it's got to be Mark. I think he brings so much on both sides of the ball, especially, you know, I think lately a lot of people have been talking about the Raptors' half-court offense, and I think he, he could help that in a big way. Just the way he sort of, you know, keeps keeps the ball moving, has everyone, you know, on their heels, like trying to, you know, back cut, whatever it may be, because they know Mark will find them. And then defensively, uh, obviously Ibaka is really good defensively, but I think Mark is just at another level in terms of being a step or two ahead of the offense every single time. I mean, there's times where you hear him barking out instructions for where the ball is going to be two, three passes down the line. And, and that sort of helps the Raptors get their ducks in a row uh, on that end of the floor. So I, th- I think it's got to be Mark as the starter uh, once everything resumes. Yeah, you know, the closing lineups for the Raptors will be interesting too. Um, you know, they obviously have different options depending on matchups. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised depending on matchups. You could see, um, you know, Serge and Mark on the floor together mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and, you know, there's also the question of depending on what they need, I think sometimes they're going to have to make a call on either having Norm out there versus OG. Because um, we saw a lot, uh, I think, um, you know, during the regular season, um, there were stretches where OG just didn't see the floor in, yeah. uh, you know, closing stretches. And that might be a scenario again. I mean, we know what OG brings on the defensive end, but if Norm is averaging like 20 plus points a game and doing what he was doing, I think it's going to be hard to leave him off the floor too, right? Oh, absolutely. Especially when everything slows down at the end of the game in the playoffs, like to have his value as a scorer, I think is going to be huge. And let's face it, during the regular season, there's been multiple games where OG hasn't had it offensively, and he's been on the bench at the end of the fourth quarter. And so I definitely think that's on the table. I think that's the that, that's the beauty of the Raptors. Like, they have, they have no egos. They're going to understand that the best five that need to be on the court on that night will be on the court. Uh, I think Nurse has done a good job of setting that standard. We've seen Fred Van Vliet start a bunch of games. We've seen Norman Powell start a bunch of games. Uh, obviously, between Ibaka and Gasol, there's been a bunch of starts there. So, uh, I don't, I don't think that's going to be an issue. And yeah, I think Nick is going to be very flexible when it comes to that. Yeah. So that's enough Raptors talk. Um, you know, because you know, otherwise, I have nothing to say on run it back this week. So my <laughs> next prediction is that both conference finals will go the full seven games. And, you know, for Mm. me, the conference finals, uh, you know, I don't think this is a shock to anyone. Um, I've got the Lakers versus the Clippers in the West and the Bucks versus the Raptors in the East. I think just, you know, like we talked about, removing that home court advantage um, really makes these matchups more even to me. Um, You know, I think Lakers Clippers to me is a toss up, Um, even though I've always gravitated towards the Lakers, even though I know I, I should probably pick the Clippers. I feel like when I look at both teams, you know, I just always think like LeBron and Anthony Davis, or even just the fact that LeBron has been so well rested this season, right? Like yeah. you talk about just the rest that he got because the Lakers didn't make the playoffs last season. And then also this break that he got, you know, obviously he was still working out, but he wasn't playing like heavy minutes or playing in games. I think Lakers Clippers are a toss up. And to be honest, you know, the Bucks are still the favorite, you know, to me. Uh, against the Raptors, you know, obviously the Raptors, the big loss is Kawhi. But I, I think, you know, in a neutral environment like Disney World uh, and the fact that I think Nick Nurse is a much better coach 
then Mike Budenholzer, and you know all of the stuff that we said about the Raptors championship experience, chemistry, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think both are just going to come down to one game. Say it, Alex. Say it. I know you want to say it. Never underestimate <laughs> what? No, no. Um, I'm saving that, bro. Um, I'm gonna wrap it like common on Twitter on August 31st uh, or, or on August 2nd or whenever they play the Lakers. I've already got the first um, five tweets scripted. Um, you know, the way I tweet is like a is like a NBA head coach. Um, I've got the first five minutes of the game scripted. Then I don't know what happens when the Raptors start losing. Uh, no, but I've got both. Uh, yeah, my prediction is both are going to go the full seven games, and you know that will uh, make it make this worth it a little bit. Wow, yeah, that that would be that would be very cool to see. I mean, Lakers Clippers, full seven games. I, I I'm kind of with you on the whole Lakers Clippers thing in terms of siding with the Lakers. It feels like your brain is telling you you should pick pick the Clippers, but I don't know, man. I kind of just don't trust Paul George. I'll put it this way. Yeah, that's okay. That's the thing for me because I think a lot of people obviously point to the Kawhi matchup versus LeBron. And Mm. there's obviously a history there. And we've also seen it during the regular season, right? Like um, LeBron's been flustered and, you know, Kawhi's put up huge numbers. For me, it's more about like Anthony Davis and Paul George, like you mentioned. Um, Yeah. Like I think I trust Anthony Davis a lot more. Exactly. Exactly. You said it perfectly. Um, I think that's what it comes down to. And, I mean, we'll see how effective that Lou Will, Montrezl Harrell pick and roll is in the playoffs uh, against the Lakers, especially when they're going up against size. And, yeah, I think that size advantage is another thing, too, if those two teams do meet in the West Finals, uh, which brings me to my next prediction. Uh, Those two teams will not play each other in the West Finals uh, because – the Houston Rockets are going to go to the NBA Finals. <laughs> oh, man. You are a Houston Rockets truther. Yo, how much did Tillman Fertitta pay you to say this <laughs> on my podcast? Did he did he pay you uh, $53? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> did he ask you for a tax uh, tax receipt? Oh, man. Come on. All right. Uh, so I know, I know there's, um, you know, I talked to James Herbert on the podcast yesterday, and he said, you know, his hot take was if the Rockets played the Lakers tomorrow, he would talk himself into picking the Rockets. So are you on that same boat in a way? Yeah, basically. And and again, this is also with me factoring that I think, you know, Dwight Howard will eventually opt out. And so now the Lakers are without Dwight and Avery Bradley, uh, which I do, do, do think hurts them. And so, you know, the same way we talk about how Marcus all needed this break, I think the, the Rockets, you know, Westbrook, even though he's had a great second half to the season, um, he was also coming off surgery in the previous off season. And so now to get this break again, I think that's going to really help him. Uh, we always talk about how Harden kind of flames out in the playoffs after carrying too much of the burden in the regular season. I think the shift in the offense to sort of Westbrook as the primary ball handler and this break now, I think that's going to help him be at his best. And maybe this is the first time that we see his playoff game actually elevate past his regular season level uh and maybe be his best postseason ever and you know a mini prediction within the prediction uh Tillman Fertitta will see that Mike D'Antoni is playing a seven-man rotation throughout the postseason and so before the NBA finals he orders the release of the 10 other players on the roster (laughs) first of all the Rockets players should know they're not getting any paychecks from Tillman Fertitta um 
at the bubble. Um, but you know what? Yeah, the the thing is, like, I forgot too how well Westbrook was playing mm-hmm. uh, before the shutdown. You know, I think he was going through a period where he was actually playing really efficiently. Yeah. Um, what about your thoughts on that small lineup, though? You know, they went to center uh, with PJ Tucker, and yeah. you know, say in a matchup against the Lakers, um, you think they have enough to throw at Anthony Davis and LeBron too, right? Yeah, and again, I think this is really going to come down to fitness, right? Like, can they ramp up to the point where they're running that small ball as effectively and as quickly as possible, getting up and down the court and maximizing the number of possessions they play? Um, And if the other teams, like the Lakers, you know, can't really keep up to the same degree that they might have been able to keep up before this shutdown, I think that gives the Rockets an advantage. Uh, And so... Yeah, man, I'm I'm feeling PJ Tucker at center, uh, in 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 a vacuum, right? Like I think it can work for this short span, uh, you know, for this two three month stretch. I don't I don't think it's a great long term solution, but uh, I I I definitely see uh, the possibility uh, over you know the next couple months. Wow, no, I, you know that's a that's a bold prediction, but I you know I see I always see people talking themselves into the Rockets every playoffs to be to be honest like i have been a rockets hater (laughs) for a while now this is actually the most i have liked the rockets like i i hate the fact that you know and that that, that'll probably be my biggest doubt going into this again their complete rejection of the mid-range like that game when they lost shooting you know missing those 20 plus threes in a row i'm like man just like take the best shot that's available like defenses are just giving them the mid-range shot uh, and they refuse to take it. And I feel like having that in-between game is so important in the playoffs. Like, you have to be able to take that open shot when it's there. Um, and so we'll see if that happens this time around. Uh, because, again, if it, if it just comes down to how often Westbrook and Harden are able to get to the rim and how uh, how well the role players shoot the three, then, again, I, I, I could definitely see it falling apart like it has before. Yeah, you know, I think... The Rockets obviously have their history of playoff failures. And I don't know, man. Just I can't talk myself into them because they just always embarrass themselves in the playoffs, you know? I feel like on some level, I might also be talking myself into this because that is probably the best chance of the Raptors winning the finals. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think um, I would I would take the Raptors over the Rockets in the finals. And, and and I think I think that'd be a pretty sweet bow to tie on it for Nick Nurse too, right? Having coached the Rockets G League team and them sort of letting him go and then oh, coming man. back. Oh man, the, the G League stories will be amazing. Nick's gonna keep all <laughs> uh, the media members on Zoom for three hours a day, uh, just <laughs> recalling his stories at, at Sioux Falls or where's <laughs> a where, what's uh, the Houston one? I think it's the the grand value vipers or something like that yeah yeah grand rapid or whatever grand value yeah i'm yeah. you know just just mention it next time when nick does a does a presser and i'm sure he will correct you um and then tell you five stories real, so real grand valley uh, vipers yes real grand valley vipers yeah. um i remember interviewing nick about that when he was an assistant like five years ago <laughs> um and sometimes i look back and i'm like i can't believe this is the guy who led the raptors to a championship um 
it's funny because okay, let's say let's say the top three teams you have coming out of the West are Houston, the Lakers, and the Clippers. And let's assume they play the Raptors in the finals. I'm gonna give you three scenarios. Which is the one you would least like to see? Um, of three former Raptors who could potentially hit uh, a game seven series clinching championship clinching shot. Um, on the Lakers, I'm gonna give you Danny Green. On on the uh, Rockets, uh, PJ Tucker. Kawhi is too obvious on the Clippers. On the Clippers, I'm gonna go with Patrick Patterson. Um, which would you like to? Which would hurt you the most? Yo. Patrick Patterson, one hundred percent, because you know he's gonna rub it in Raptors fans' faces for the rest of his life. Absolutely, man. And after all the shots, forget forget missing shots. After all the shots he didn't take in the playoffs with the Raptors, yeah, that would that would really really suck. This is like this is like I remember when Jalen Rose was asked about Kobe's eighty one, and Jalen was like, you know. At the end of the day, at least it was Kobe. Like if Luke Walton, <laughs> right. he, he was like, if Luke Walton would have had twenty, I would have put my head in the sand. <laughs> no, this. Uh, I think Patrick Patterson. I know the Raptors have won a championship now, and we've wiped away all the bad memories of LeBronto and all that stuff. But Patrick Patterson hitting a Game Seven championship clinching shot in the corner. Um, that not, honestly would be the that. most crushing moment in Raptors history. No doubt. 100 percent man. And then Kawhi like hugging him for it. Please get out of here. Oh man, that's gonna be tough. And it's like Lou Williams plays like lockdown D on Kyle Lowry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is going to be insane. All right, I got two more predictions. Um, my fourth prediction. I guess this is kind of like your Marcus Hull prediction. Um, I've got Matt Thomas is going to have a 15 point quarter in the playoffs. <laughs> and, um, no, you know, honestly, just honestly, that might be more, that might be more plausible than my Marcus Hull 30 point. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's more bold. And obviously, clearly, um, you know, to clarify, that would mean he hits five three pointers uh, yeah. in one quarter for his 15 points. I don't know, man. We've seen glimpses. And I feel like Nick started to trust him a little bit more, um, yeah. you know, in terms of throwing him out there. And I think Nick saw the value. Obviously, I think Matt is, um, you know, he's the worst defender on the floor at all times, um, yes. you know, when he's part of these Raptors lineups. But I think Nick sees enough um, kind of trade off of what he can bring on the offensive end that I can easily see him um, going for 15 uh, in one quarter against the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. Man, Matt Thomas defending Lou Will in the NBA Finals would be absolutely... <laughs> yeah, it's like, why are you guys both running the opposite way? <laughs> <laughs> They're just like running into each other's picks. Um, that, that would be amazing. I still remember Matt Thomas trying to run around against the Clippers. He got oh so lost. And, and I think Nick just like pulled him out of the game and I didn't see him check in for like another two weeks. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, that's going to be my prediction. You still have one left? Uh, I do have one left. Uh, so my prediction, I know you said no more Raptors talk, but... Oh, no, I'm, I'm totally kidding. Let's do it. Uh, Nick Nurse gets the first ever series clinching coaches challenge win. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Do you have a whole scenario laid out for me? Oh, yeah. Game seven, okay. Raptors lead the Celtics by one. Under 10 seconds left. Jason Tatum has the ball. Defended by OG, 
drives to the basket at the buzzer. Siakam comes over with the help, gets the rejection. Refs call the foul, and they call goaltending. <laughs> Nick challenges the call. Foul call gets reversed. Goaltending is reversed. Jump ball at half court. Raptors advance to the East Finals. <laughs> that would be honestly amazing. I'm already picturing the Twitter timeline right now. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the Raptors-Celtics series, it has to happen. Yeah, no. No question. No question. I mean, the irony of the way Raptors Twitter and Celtics Twitter has built up this hatred for each other, that it would happen without fans is hilarious. But <laughs> Yeah, uh, no. Uh, Raptors and Celtics fan base, they have circled each other for years. Yeah. Um, and I think the Raptors obviously have a bit of an edge because they got the championship last season. But it would settle so many things. So one thing I want settled we can just say definitively that Nick Nurse is a better coach than Brad Stevens. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We need to be able to get that uh, on the timeline. And then, you know, I think a lot of people would shut up about Kyle Lowry because, again, the Raptors getting to the East Finals, beating whether it be the Celtics or the Sixers or the Heat, whatever. Well, I guess it can't be the Heat if they're the 4-5. or But, um, yeah, I think... That team, again, getting to the East Finals. Like, we, we talk about that Kawhi uh, bounce shot being sort of this... That, that that was the shot that validated the trade, right? Like, if the Raptors lose that game and they go out in the East semis again, everything just kind of goes to shit, right? Like, people are getting traded, people are losing their jobs, and everyone's questioning everything that happened before it. And so, I think... The same way if the this Raptors team can get past that semifinals, after that it's just I think they'll play, you know, completely free. I think they 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 would have, uh, you know, validated their belief in themselves, and I think that that could take them to another level in the East Finals too. Yeah, I think that'll be awesome. And you talked about how you know home court advantage is being removed. Um, it, it's kind of hard to say which team it helps. Because I feel like Toronto and Boston have such unique home court advantages, especially when it comes to this matchup. Because, you mm-hmm. know, like the, the Raptors never get any calls in Boston. And yeah. I'm not even like a Will Lou referee conspiracy theorist, you know? Like, like the Raptors just don't get the whistle. And especially Kyle when mm-hmm. they play in Boston. But then again, um, you know, having four games at Scotiabank Arena uh, would have made me feel really comfortable in this matchup. Um, yeah, I, I think that'll be interesting because Boston, um, I know James Herbert was telling me um, how they have really good stats and they've done really well against the top teams, whereas the Raptors don't have as, as impressive a record against the top teams. So I think that'll be a really close matchup, but obviously I'm going to take the Raptors in six. Yeah, I think it's I, I think it's basically a pick series. And again, you know, to your point about playing in Boston, the same way, you know, I remember Jalen Brown at the end of that uh, Christmas game saying to Fred Van Vliet, man, this is the first time I've won here in my career. Like, the Celtics have struggled to win in Toronto. Uh, and so I think that is an advantage that you miss out on. Ultimately, I do think... You, you know what's weird? I think the Raptors would edge out that series but I actually think the Celtics match up a bit better with the Bucks. 
You think so, eh? What What like about the, the personnel of the Bucks? Do you think is is it their wing guys? I, I I think I think just the way the Bucks are able to defend, I think it exposes the Raptors half court offense a bit more, and I think with the Celtics, the multitude of guys they have in terms of half court options, whether it be Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or Gordon Hayward or Kemba, I think they're just better designed to go up against the Bucks. Yeah, you know, for all the talk about Bucks Raptors, I mean the the Raptors half court numbers against the Bucks this season have been pretty ugly. Yeah. So, I mean, and we and we saw in that in that last game, the the Kyle Lowry tried to crawl between George Hill game. Um, <laughs> I think the Raptors had a good handle on the Bucks, but they figured it out over forty eight minutes, right? Yeah, exactly. And then I mean, you even saw Nick Nurse go to Matt Thomas, right? Just try to free up the offense a bit, and he did it. He did it for a little bit, just getting those three point looks. But yeah, but that's I'm- not that's not going to be sustainable for seven games, you know? Exactly, exactly. And that's where you know we'll see how much of a difference. Marcus All makes. Uh, I I think both Marcus All and Norma Ballard didn't play that game, if I remember correctly. So, those two guys I think are just so critical for the half court offense. Uh, that and then the that's the other thing with this Raptors team. As much as we've seen them, in terms of their ceiling against the best teams, we haven't seen that right. Like when they played the Lakers and the Clippers, that was when Kyle and Serge were out. When when they had this run recently. I mean, okay, there, there were those games where Kyle and Serge came back and then you played the Clippers and the Heat, but it was almost like starting the season again, right? Like, I don't think we saw the best of them. And again, maybe this is someone on the Raptor side of things just trying to spin it into a positive. But hey, man, this is your pod, so it's all about the propaganda. <laughs> and listen, man, when you're the defending champions, you know, you can give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. You can say that they have, uh, you know, a higher ceiling to get to. And yeah. I don't think you're wrong, you know, especially when you talk about the injuries and especially because we know about the top seven guys, right? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, having that experience that they went through last year um, is what I always go back to in terms of giving them an edge over a, a team like the Boston Celtics. Um, I don't really have an exciting final prediction. Um, I have here a final prediction. I just predicted that there's not going to be a play-in tournament on um either side um (laughs) i think for all the talk i know everyone's really excited about brooklyn orlando and washington fighting for two playoff spots um uh you know i know we've all been losing sleep over that but you know for all the talk about the brooklyn nets obviously missing a lot of guys and the wizards only needing to you know cut two games in their deficit with the nets um i just don't think the wizards are that good themselves and um, just looking at their schedule, you know, I think Orlando and Brooklyn will just finish seven and eight. And in the West, I think there's a huge push for Zion Williamson to be in the playoffs. I mean, they literally have him uh, for the first game. Yeah. Uh, for, for the first game, because remember, uh, well, this season has been so long. Zion missed his first game. It was supposed to be against the Raptors mm-hmm. on ring ceremony night. So now he gets to uh, go up against the dynamic duel of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. But I think, you know, there's a bunch of teams bunched up there in the West, but I think the Grizzlies are going to get the eighth spot. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't think a whole lot is really going to change. Because, again, I just don't think there's that momentum where you will see 
a team go seven and one or eight and no to really shake things up, right? I I think it's hard for these teams to get off the gear. And again, you look at the competition you're going up against. I just think it's tough to pull off a record like that. You don't have like any winning streak like we man. That Raptors winning streak was this season. Uh, like to have us, yeah. To, so to have a streak like that, you have to have those teams that you can beat up on too, right? And there, there really isn't that team out there. So I would be shocked if there's any team that finishes those eight games with a seven and one or an eight and zero record. Yeah, no. And that's um, the only way the standings are really going to change, right? Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. You know, I do think even though I made that prediction there's probably a much better chance in the West just because of the number of teams and Mm -hmm. the number of ways that it can go, that there will be some kind of play in. And I mean, the league definitely wants LeBron versus Zion in the first round. Oh, no question. No question. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like Zion, well, LeBron's the reason why this whole thing is happening and Zion's the reason why there's like 22 teams. Yep. Like, That's pretty. I, I think we should I just mean, put it that way. It it could have still just been at least twenty, man. Like, who really needed the Suns and the Wizards there? Listen, Cameron Payne got a contract with the Suns, <laughs> and is getting paid for this. So, uh, watch your mouth. No, but I'm with you, and you see some of the guys too, like Lamar Lamarcus Aldridge had his surgery. Um, you know, I don't know how serious that injury was, but I'm gonna assume he could have put that off. If the Spurs were, say, in a playoff spot, um, yeah. and you know, obviously he looked at the situation, and we, you know, not, and that's not even mentioning all the guys who have like dropped out, right? Yeah, and we're Speaking seeing of the guys Spurs, drop out. What Rudy Gay said, "No, what did he say?" A reporter asked him, uh, "What are you gonna get back uh, for your kids for you know from Disney World?" And he he said, "Hopefully, a healthy father." Oh man, but but that's. That kind of sums up yeah. what the players are risking yeah. to do this, right? And it'll be really, really interesting. I think it's really hard to forecast, but assuming this whole thing does go through um, to the end of the playoffs and a championship you know, is won by a team, I really wonder how we're going to look back at it when it's all over. Because um, I think the main question will be, was it worth it? And we mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah, we don't know. So that'll be interesting. Well, Big V, I appreciate you making the time. Um, I'm going to look into parlaying uh, Marcus Gasol 30-point game with a Matt Thomas 15-point quarter. Um, so <laughs> wish me luck on that. And, uh, you know, it's good to just talk basketball again, man. It is. It is. We don't have to just do, you know, a Bollywood or a cricket podcast. <laughs> I did have I did have a few people DM me asking me when I'm doing Bollywood again. Um, I feel like they've unfollowed me since because um, it's been weeks. But um, we'll, we'll do a Bollywood. We'll do a Bollywood. Uh, right. My plan is to do my plan is to do this podcast until it hits like episode 100, which means it has like four weeks left. I want to say, All so right. we have to get at least one more Bollywood movie in. All right, sounds good. But you've been you've been doing your thing with this pod, man. It's been a fun listen through this entire lockdown. Yeah, no, I appreciate you, man.